Hi, this is Dr. Terry. Hope all is are doing well. I'm excited about today. This is my first show, and you are joining me on Legacy Investment Informs, which is a brand new show that um, was actually inspired by God. And so you might be wondering, what is Legacy Investment Informs, and how does it really relate to me, and or if it, if if it will even relate to me. And um, so let's get started with that. I would like to answer those questions for you. I'm really excited about this because I know that it's going to really help you and it's going to give you some tools, that practical tools that you can use for your daily life as well as for your um, business. So um, legacy, let's start with the definition of what legacy is. The definition of legacy, according to Merriam-Webster, is something transformed by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor from your past. And you might be saying, well, okay, that's good information, and, um, but what does it mean for me? Well, let's get into the next definition, which is investment. Investment, we all know investment pretty much equated to business and it has something to do with money income or property and once again uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of that is the outlay of money usually for income or profit so that's an investment into the property that we are going to purchase so how do those two really matter and how do they connect well we're all supposed to make sure that we understand what a legacy is to us and that we're supposed to leave a legacy. And how do you do that? We're investing in our legacy. We're building our legacy. You might be hearing a lot of, a lot of people saying, well, um, leave a legacy, leave a legacy, leave a legacy. Well, what does that mean to me? Well, simply it means that we are all expected to leave a legacy according to the word of God. Which brings me to my next point. Let's get into what God says about legacy. According to the New Living Translation, Proverbs 13.22 says that good people leave an inheritance for their, ch their grandchildren. Hmm, that's very interesting. We are supposed to leave a legacy for our grandchildren? Yes, we're supposed to leave a legacy. If you're not really in a position where you are thinking about where you are now and your future, the future of your family and the support and care of your family and how you're supposed to be making sure that the family is thriving. You're, that's not, you're not really building legacy and you're not really applying the word of God to your life so you can have a productive life. And that's what something that God expects us all to do. So let's move forward and Talk a little bit about this. What are our expectations that we are, are, are expected? What does God expect us to do in regards to that? So I gave you a scripture that is uh, Old Testament scripture. But a lot of people might say, well, that's Old Testament. I'm not even supposed to. Uh, that doesn't apply to me today. Well, you know, it does because it's, it shows us also in scripture in Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 8 in the International Standard Version that 
If anyone does not take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm, Wow, that really hit me in the gut, guys, when I read that. I said, "Mm, I don't want to be. I don't want to be in God's eyesight where I'm denying my faith and I'm considered an unbeliever. That's not, that's just simply not a good um, position to be in, nor is it a godly principle and nor will it get us to the point where we're, we're actually building legacy. So let's all think about this. You have some, we can all equate it to money, okay? You have a, you've been, you have a great grandmother or a grandmother, someone that has had you, that you dear to your heart and has suddenly gone on to be with the Lord. God rest her soul. And, but you find out that your grandmother left you an inheritance has left you some money, left you something that it, she is expecting you to do well with. Why? Because she thought about building your the future of the family. The family is still moving forward. She can't take it with her. So she thought about, well, what can I leave? I can do this for my family because my treasure is already in heaven. I know when I go to heaven, I'm not, I don't have to worry about that. I already have that covered. God covered me with that. I have all my treasures in heaven. So you'll say, hmm, thank you, great grandmother. That's really wonderful that she thought about me that way. But listen, there's no, no one is obligated to leave anything to us, but God expects us to take care of the family and to support the family, to make sure those that are left behind while we're in heaven to move forward and to make sure that we all are on one accord with, with our stability, the stability of the family he cares about. So he cares about the whole purpose of this is to secure, make earthly provisions to secure to secure our family and care and support of our family. So once again, we see that the Old Testament is saying that a good person leaves an inheritance for his grandchildren. And then in the New Testament, which is the um, law that we're following now today in 2016, in current day, is First Timothy is telling us that if you don't leave, anything for your relatives you're not you're denying your faith and you're worse than an unbeliever so my friends um that is the first legacy principle for this week is that we want to make sure that we think about our families in the purpose of what are we going to do to build a true legacy according to godly principles, a principle that we know will stand and has been tried, tested, and true by the word of God, and that we are definitely going to fulfill our fulfill our lives according to godly principles. And so with that said, I would like to talk about how that how that really relates to today what um, I have a guest coming on today Dr. Aaron Dogren he is dealing he deals with education and he is a very 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 important individual that is 
how should I say, he's a very mild-mannered person. And what I like about Dr. Aaron Dahlgren so much is that he is a, a person of integrity. And so education is one way to build legacy. And so today I thought that I would bring on a guest that would definitely that we all can relate to, which is education, our children. We all want our children to be educated. And I would like to to um, let him speak and bring a little bit more information about himself and tell you why it's important. What he does is important to building our legacy. Okay. So I would like to bring in Dr. Aaron Dahlgren today. And um, hi, Dr. Dahlgren, are you there? I am here, and, and thank you so much. It is, it's wonderful to hear your voice, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm the one that's honored that you are even my guest today. I, I look forward to this day, and I couldn't wait. I was very excited. <laughs> So I, I have well. to tell you, yeah, thank you so much. You're so, so kind. So, um, Dr. Aaron, can you tell the audience what exactly you bring to your professional background for uh, and what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I will start off and just say uh, I'm an educator. Uh, that's, okay. That has been my experience. It's been uh, it's one of those things that I think for many uh, educators that I got get to talk to that often it's something in the water or, or in the blood maybe because I'm, I come from a family of educators as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've spent uh, the past decade uh, in teaching uh, in the elementary uh, classroom and okay. started off my career in fifth grade and then have moved to the third grade uh, realm and I actually am Concluding that uh, that chapter of my career and moving uh, throughout the past 10 years, I've, I've also worked uh, very heavily with Time to Teach and the Center for Teacher Effectiveness uh, in a variety of different roles. Um, and we'll, I know we'll spend some more time talking about that. And my uh, career path now has taken me uh, to a, a, uh, a full-time role with the company um, in which uh, I'm very excited about. Uh, we're doing some very exciting things in education, and, and uh, that has been my experience. Great, great. That sounds wonderful. So, um, Dr. Aaron, will, or can you, can, would it be safe to say that um, your role in taking it on a full-time basis as of now has, is because of the demand for, for the, the particular system that you have in place? Absolutely, absolutely. And a piece, one thing that was very important uh, to both, uh, to the company, to myself, as we began uh, down this road, I've, as I said, I've worked with the company, uh, the Center for Teacher Effectiveness, for, for the past 10 years as well. And, and one of the things that I wanted to do, uh, because we serve, serve educators and work with educators from um, all sorts of different areas and, and all across the country and, and even outside of the country across the world. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I had done in my career was had been there and served in those same roles with those educators to be in the classroom. And so uh, absolutely the demand, the demand has been there for, for a while to, for me to take that leap. Uh, but what I wanted to do is really uh, say that I've been there and, and, and work in the, in the schools where the teachers that we serve, that's where they're spending their time. And so I wanted to have that 
that opportunity, which uh, was, uh, I'd have to say, one of the most important and rewarding things that I'd done in my my life. And it's a, it'll be a challenge to move out of that role and not be with, with those great students and, and children each and every day. Right. Um, but I know the impact that we'll be making with the Center for Teacher Effectiveness uh, is, is another way to maybe even broaden that impact because I'll get to work with so many and get to currently work with so many teachers who impact the lives of so many students across our country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, can you tell us, I know um, our listeners are asking, they're probably wondering, well, what is um, CTE? What exactly is the purpose of it? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to talk more about that. So uh, the Center for Teacher Effectiveness, we are uh, uh, really a group of educators. Uh, for the past 30 years, we've been we've been training educators and working with uh, with educators across the country uh, to go out and work in schools. And we train in. Uh, we began our uh, began our company uh, actually as a small research grant on working uh, on the topic of classroom management uh, for at-risk students and. Uh, there's much more to the story, but uh, it turns out that the strategies that we had that were based in literature that we had great success with, they didn't just work for at-risk students. They worked in, for all students in all mm-hmm. classrooms. They were just best practices. And so that's what we framed our company on. We've, we've built around uh, seminars and books and content that are great uh, strategies that teachers can use the next day in their classroom but they're grounded in the literature and research uh, that, that is important that, that's been done recently and, and over the past 50 to uh, 60 years of, of research that we've scoured through to make sure that it was in uh, something grounded in that. And again, strategies that teachers can take back and use the next day. Great. That sounds great. So so it would be safe to say that you're, you're really making a difference in the classroom as far as um, the behavioral standpoint is concerned. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is our, that has been our bailiwick. We, okay. we are uh, absolutely focused on, on uh, classroom management. We have, uh, we have within our classroom management to be uh, programs and materials. We structure ourselves on on five core components uh, that we we focus on, and and if if you'd like, I can I can uh, discuss each of those just briefly. Well, I would like, please do so. Absolutely, thank you for for allowing me to do that. So <laughs> the first uh, the first uh, area, uh, in in no particular order, uh, we we start off with uh, is unconditional positive regard, and unconditional positive regard. Uh, is the the first component that uh, it, it focuses on relationships with students, building caring relationships with students in our classroom. We we often use the quote by Madeline Hunter, a famous educator, that kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what that's focused on is building those intentional relationships with with those students in your classroom, and and maybe even sometimes not just based on. Uh, did you turn in your homework? Uh, yes or no, those types of things. But getting to know them as an individual. Uh, the next component that we uh, that we use is we call it classroom ecology. Now, often as teachers, we think about the the environment or the desk arrangement, which is very important. 
Um, but thinking about it really in the terms of the lessons that are teaching and then going beyond that with color uh, of the classroom, how, how the, the shape is, the traffic pattern, sense in the classroom, the smell, those types of things, all where there's research behind those pieces that can improve education. The next mm-hmm. component uh, that we have is we call it self-control. Now, often when teachers first hear about uh, our, that component, they think self-control for students. And we actually take a look at self-control for the teacher. And what we mean by that is uh, we, we use the, the statement that uh, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Mm-hmm. And meaning students are going to challenge. It's, in, it's, it's part of what we do in going through that growing up process, and, and they're going to challenge. And so how do we respond? and not getting our buttons pushed or going, you know, elevating to a situation that, that really isn't good for us or, or the student. Right. And so, um, and I, I've covered three of those. The next one we have is Teach Twos. And Teach Twos are, uh, I, I would say there are many programs out there. There's many uh, schools of thought. And they, we all want to have high expectations for our student, ac- students academically, but also behaviorally. Mm-hmm. And what, what sets us apart, what makes us different, uh, in, in my eyes, is we actually teach exactly how. Our, our, our program is based on, yes, having those high expectations, but teaching students how to do that. And an example that I would use is when, when we think of, let's say, long division. Uh, as a teacher, uh, teaching, let's say, maybe fourth grade and long division is, a, is something that is in your content area, we wouldn't talk about long division and put it up on the wall and say, okay, students, if you, if you have any questions about long division, you can look at the poster I put up on the wall. We would never do that. Uh, and, and to that point, with behavior and expectations, we believe the same. So we go through and we, we actually teach students the perfect, the not perfect, and the almost but not quite to really narrow that spectrum. We build ra- rationale around the teach twos. And then we even actually go through and have students practice uh, the perfect, because perfect practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we go through, we practice those, and we, uh, we, we uh, go through each step until the students really know that. And we do this as a class. Now, it takes a little bit more time up front, but the benefit of this is we're not uh, slowing down later in the year. It takes kind of that front-loading approach. It takes a little bit more time at the beginning. But as the year goes on, wow, are we able to uh, excel and speed ahead faster than we ever, ever have before? And then the last component that we have is refocus. And refocus is kind of, hey, we're doing all these other four great components that we talked about. What happens when a student still doesn't do it, uh, still doesn't maybe comply with a request? And, and it goes to that uh, point. We often say we reduce, uh, reduce uh, repeated re- uh, requests. And, um, and asking, begging, cajoling students to, to do that. Instead, we believe that you ask once and, uh, and, and the student uh, should, should uh, follow that task or that direction. Mm-hmm. And so refocus allows, it, it really turns uh, behavior, uh, behavior situation into a learning situation in which the teacher really is assessing the classroom. And it's uh, one of the pieces I enjoy about that is that it... Um, it is a it, it's a great way for the students the students even document it. They go through and they plan out. They set a plan in place 
And so it's not documenting for the teacher. It's, it's, a, it's focused on the learning process for the student. And one more thing, if I might add, I sure. talked a lot about our strategies. I'd love to give the listeners a strategy that we use. Um, and one of those comes from our self-control um, unit. And this works. Uh, I hope my wife isn't listening to this because this even works with spouses <laughs> and children at home <laughs> and, and, uh, and others as well. And what it is, we call it our diffusers. And diffusers, there are many. We have, we have several that we use. I'm sorry, nevertheless, probably so. I understand. And that's when, uh, let's say in a, in a classroom setting, if a student maybe blurts out, uh, this is boring. Now, sometimes we can, you can go and, and confront the student, and uh, we, we're, we're move, moving away from that. Instead, maybe, you know, we kind of think back. I think back to my uh, statistics days when working on my doctorate. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was a little dry. It was a little boring. And so we can understand what that, that student may be thinking, but still not okay to, to uh, maybe blurt that out in class. Um, but one of the things that we say is instead use a diffuser and maybe a quick statement as I understand. And what we're telling that student in that situation is we hear you, but so what? We're moving on. And so it allows the student to see, hey, we're, I'm not going to get a big reaction out of, out of uh, my teacher. And uh, so I, I just wanted, I knew I could, uh, uh, that one I could cover and, and give uh, your wonderful audience a, a quick <laughs> strategy to use. And again, it, it even works with family sometimes. But don't pass that along uh, to anyone in my family or else I'll have to stop using it. <laughs> I'm sure everyone in your family is already um, on board with that. So they, they, they see that you are definitely a positive force in this area. So I'm sure that everyone is on board. <laughs> I have no <laughs> doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Aaron, for all of that. These are um, all great, great um, components, as well as this, it sounds like it is a very, very, very effective um, system. Would you say that it is a system and not a program? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I'd even take it a step further that I like what, what I view. It, it's most effective, tend to teach, and the Center for Teacher Effectiveness are Anything that we we have content on uh, is going to be most effective as a whole. But what mm-hmm. I really pride our company on is that I uh, teachers uh, tell us this, and we view ourselves as a set of strategies. So yes. a teacher can say, "Hey, I you know I want to use this because often as teachers, wow, our plates are loaded. There are so many different areas that are wanting and pulling for our attention, and so I like to view ourselves as a set of strategies." Because really, uh, a teacher could say, well, the diffuser strategy I just talked about, they could Mm -hmm. say, hey, I want to try that. And then maybe, you know, oh, this is going well. I want to try another piece. It's not something that you need to do all of it. And, and of course, yes, it's going to be more effective, as is most things, if you're using it all in concert. But but using one or two things, you're going to have... have success. I think of just the relationship, using the, the tools that we have on building successful, uh, healthy, caring relationships with students, just using that piece saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm just ready at this point to just bite off this little piece yes. and, and then grow and, and move and say, okay, now I'm ready to add this into my repertoire. So it's definitely a, a set, of, set of strategies that, that teachers can use uh, in their classrooms. 
Mm, that's this it sounds very interesting and which is why I wanted to bring you on today as as my first guest because I you know as an educator myself and and a life coach and a, a author and all of that um, was really most I pride myself on be, having the opportunity to be an edu- to go to school and not only be educated but also to become an educator and um, and I'm t- I'm speaking from a higher education perspective as of now and I know that I've had many challenges with my getting my dissertation and I haven't always been very happy or pleased with the way that. Um, classroom management has been has been um, conducted and so with that said what would you say in regards to um, um, CTE what can it do for higher education if anything oh absolutely I love I love that question because as as a company uh, working in there, there when I guess kind of just to take a, a look at the whole picture, we spend uh, we we work in a variety of different schools, a variety of different settings. Just the sheer numbers of K through 12 public education, even elementary schools versus high schools. We you know we we spend probably the majority of our trainings in elementary school. Uh, elementary schools. That's mm-hmm. just because there's so many more uh, than uh, we're we're uh, effective across. Uh, different levels. The exciting piece for me when we look at higher education is we've begun uh, over the past several years to move move more and more into higher education uh, in a variety of different ways. Uh, first way that I, I look at is uh, and and not so much for the uh, for the student, but thinking of or the professor. But we began to work in education programs. The mm-hmm. folks before they they. Uh, head into their student teaching or before they they head into their career uh, uh very uh one of the things that we pride ourselves on in that setting is many of those uh teachers now go in with a full set of strategies and even more of a benefit one of those top 10 questions in every interview uh committee I've been on is a question about classroom management and so uh-huh. to be able to knock that question out of the park while an administrator is going to stay yeah, uh, pay close attention to that person. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. next piece, though, that's that's been a, a shift in something is, that is exciting for us is we've uh, begun to have some universities that have uh, had us come in and train their professors. And now often we might think, oh, to be able to go in and, and train their students. No, to actually use the strategies with their students. Mm-hmm. Uh, because no matter what setting, relationships with, uh, I, I would say, just as important, you know, as, as, at that higher education level, to have a strong relationship with the with the professor that's, that's yes. there in front of you, or to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making making sure students. Some students are paying. We, as we know, in education, tremendous amounts of money to be there, so they <laughs> want their time to be valued. And yes. uh, and so uh, having having some strategies, some skills in there. Uh, in, in their repertoire to be able to use as a professor. Uh, so we've begun to train there as well. So lots of different ways that, that uh, we've begun. And, and that's exciting to me because we know that uh, as we you know spend more time in the higher uh, ed realm, well, that's just going to uh, increase kind of our spread because that's where all the, our, uh, the teachers come from is they you know, have to go and get a certification and be in that higher ed. And so 
it's uh, it's very exciting to me to see that growth uh, in our company as well. Yeah, I I I think what really attracted me too to you and doing my my research about um, CTE CTE is that it is not just a K twelve um, strategies for strategies for that for that arena is also it it fits just like you said you just showed us family as well as you showed us that um, you talked about is something you're doing you're expanding now into the higher ed um, arena which is great because I believe that um, we need to really reform education in the way that it that we approach it in in the classroom and manage behavior in the classroom and i and i really that's what really caught my eye about it as well as the it works it seems to really be something that we can say is not just um working but it's an immediate ap- application that you can do is would you say that that's true Oh, absolutely. We, uh, I love that, uh, that um, uh, kind of uh, thought pro- uh, process about Time to Teach because it's absolutely what we believe we are and what teachers uh, tell us we are. Uh, we've, we've had uh, uh, taglines that uh, folks that have given us over the years. One was uh, not, uh, strategies for tomorrow not just theories for thought. Yes. And, uh, and that, that's our, uh, of course, we're grounded in the research. Um, but yes, it, it, and really we pride ourselves on, on not being, um, and I say this not to put down any other uh, program or any other uh, training or any other materials out there, mm-hmm. but we're just not a gimmick. Uh, right. we're, we're based in best practices uh, of education uh, that, have, that have been that are supported by current research, but are also supported by the research that has been around for the past 50 years. And so what's exciting to me about that is it's just the common sense approach and it is not, it's good teaching. I would say it's good parenting. And even to take it a step further, it's just kind of good people relations, you know, how how we should treat others, in my opinion, at least. You know, I I like what you just said. There is it is relational, it, it, isn't it? It's just really relational. It's, it's trying to connect the the connect with another human person. Um, that's really what we're what what I get what I um, I get out of it is that you're doing your best to make sure that everyone has a opportunity to receive what they are, um, what they, what, what the opportunity, the opportunities are the same for everyone in regards to our education, get your education and, and hopefully your education will open up opportunities for you to thrive in life. And, and I see that. That's what I really see about the system. That's why I'm really excited about it. And, and, um, I'm very, very, uh, I'm a big fan of the, of the, um, strategies as well as of the integrity of your family, you and your family. And that's what, that's another, another, um, major point that I want to bring across is that this is a, a family of integrity and it shows by in which in, I believe that that's why the system really is working because you guys are really a family that cares about 
about everyone becoming educated and that is for education is for everyone and we are should we should treat everyone with um with respect in the classroom and that we can change though there are solutions for for abnormal behavior <laughs> in the classroom mm-hmm. and so I, I would like dr um aaron can you tell us how we could get the listeners out there to to if they have more information about this about um time to teach how they can reach you absolutely i, I would i would love to uh to share my contact information and i would also uh love it if we could share yours as well because we have our new exciting relationship and and uh you you know uh you you are becoming that content expert yes. uh within our company and so i just i'd love to if we both had the opportunity to do that, um, so that uh, that if anybody has questions, we we both love to talk about time to teach in the Center for Teacher Effectiveness. I know uh, that I know for sure. So well, I will, if, uh, y- if you don't mind, you can give both of our information. That's great. I don't have a problem with that. Well, well, wonderful. So I will start off, and I will share. Uh, I'll, I'll share a couple different things. So you can always visit us on the web. Uh, that email or that web address, uh, excuse me, is time to teach.com, T I M E T O T E A C H.com. And my email address is, is just a pretty simple one. It's Aaron, A A R O N, at time to teach.com. And the last, uh, uh, the, the direct line for me is 1 800 438 1808. That's our company line. And if you ever wanted to call right directly through to me, you just press extension 700. And then I will let you share your contact information as well. Okay. Well, um, as Dr. Aaron stated, that I am um, very much part of Time to Teach, and um, I believe in it so much that I did become uh, certified, and I so I am now a partner. And... Um, you can reach me at Terry, T-E-R-R-I, last name is Harrison, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, at timetoteach.com. So I'm excited about it. We're doing great things. And Dr. Aaron, I want to tell you once again, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to hear from you. And I would like to invite you to come back at a later date and we can further discuss what updates about what's going on and the movement that's happening across America and the nation. Is that is that um, a great invitation? Oh, Dr. Terry, I, I love it. I, I <laughs> think that sounds wonderful. I am. I was just a, a pleasure and an absolute honor to be on with you and get the chance to talk with uh, with your listeners, and I'm just I'm excited. I'm already excited for the next time, uh, so <laughs> I, I look forward to it. I, and I'm just very appreciative of you, and and thank you so much for the opportunity to spend some time with with everyone today. Thank you so much, and let the family know I said hello, and I look forward to hearing from you guys once again so very soon. Absolutely, thank you. Okay, thank you. Hi, Dr. Terry here. The workplace has become ever increasingly difficult. High rates of unemployment, poor interaction between employee and employer, 
workplace violence, and the list goes on. Today, many are seeking practical solutions to address workplace issues. Healing in the Workplace, a spiritual guide to coping with work issues, provides a long-awaited answer and principle to solving work conflict and problems, helping us to see why God wants us to work and how we are supposed to treat one another at work. Join me in a global move to eradicate workplace issues in discovering employee rights and discover how others have been victorious through workplace challenges. Order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Once again, order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Hope to see you there. Thank you. Miss Sylvia Richardson, how are you today? Good afternoon, Dr. Harrison. I'm doing just great. How are you? I am so, so blessed. I'm so excited that I have you as my guest today and to talk about your book, Genesis Brief, The Sin Factor. I really appreciate this opportunity and um, you taking time out of your daily Saturday to be on listening with me with the audience and to talk about your book so um what i want the audience (laughs) my pleasure thank you thank you what i would like the audience to know about you is that um i met you a while ago and um it was very it was kismic how you and i met we just hit it off and and it's been explosive ever since you know how girls get together and <laughs> we yes, talk so absolutely. much we could talk about everything right so <laughs> but what we have in common is that we're both authors right yes. absolutely yes i think that's what drove each other to uh to know one another we were very much interested in the fact that we were both authors yes Yes, and so let's get right into that. Um, let's tell us about your um, your book, Genesis Brief, The Sin Factor. And so I have a couple of questions I would like to ask you. And if we run out of time, of course, I would like to invite you back so we can further um, investigate your book. Is that okay with you? I'd be more than happy to. Thank you so much. So um, my first question I have for you is how did you come to the concept of um, that sin originated in heaven? Well, actually, uh, Dr. Harrison, I was sitting one day and it just came to me and I began to think, um, if Lucifer got kicked out of heaven, I thought to myself, oh, my God, when I get there, uh, maybe I need to find out what what happened, why he got kicked out of heaven, because when I get there, I don't want to make the same mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And then it went on. I got fascinated with the two trees, those trees that are the tree of life and the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. And then I began to go on a journey and uh, investigate these trees. Uh, Genesis 2 and 9, God talked about these trees, that they were placed there in the Garden of Eden. And then I went on to read that Revelation 2 and 7 states that the same tree, the tree of life, will be present when we, the saints of God, are there. So I believe that both these trees originated in heaven, while Lucifer was a part of that angelic host. 
-hmm. and Lucifer being a part of that angelic host at that time out of curiosity, not out of evilness, but out of curiosity, partook of that tree, and at that time he became evil incarnate. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I, I really believe that that's where uh, it all took place. Okay. Heaven, and that's how it started. Well, well, that I, that's very interesting. I'm sure that that's you're taking us on a journey now that um, others will really want to explore further through your book. So, um, your I was reading in your book. You said you were asking. Um, I'm. I. I was asking uh, myself. Well, why do you believe that people were on Earth before Adam? And do you do you think you can um, give us a a little depiction of what what that is? What that looked like? Well, yes. Let's, Genesis one and twenty seven goes on to state that God created man in His own image in the image. Of God, he created male and female. He created them. So they were created simultaneously. God then goes on to say, uh, give them the purpose, and that was to replenish the earth and for them to have dominion over all. And then he goes on to tell them what their food source would be. Mm -hmm. And then we go on and we skip over to Genesis chapter 2 and 5, and it states that there had been no rain on the earth because there was no man to till the ground. Where we find in Genesis mm -hmm. 1, there was, he created man and woman, but then we go on to say that there uh, was no man to till the ground. So that it made it, I had to assume that these people were two different groups of people. Uh, I concluded that from uh, Genesis chapter 1 and then Genesis chapter 2. So okay. God, God went ahead and he formed another man from the substance, and he called this man Adam-man. And the difference he made in Adam-man and the first man is that he breathed his very life into the Adam-man. And this man became a living soul or a life like God. Wow. Well, you just you just really are blowing my mind because I'm as you're talking, I can't help but think about when you said till the land. I never thought of that that um, that there was no man to till the land. I know the scripture very well, but it's very interesting what you're saying, and I'm going to go back and do my do some further investigative um, reading of my scriptures as well, so I can get a little bit more understanding about that. Um, and you know, um, with that said, you spoke about the covenant of of the man and what that connection is. So, what does the covenant? What is the covenant? Um, that you're speaking of, and what man is connected to that covenant? Well, first of all, uh, Dr. Harrison, a covenant, what a covenant is, I believe, is it's a promise that cannot be broken. Now, promises okay. can be broken, but a covenant cannot be broken. God kept his unbreakable promise to Adam, and Adam is that covenant man. And all mankind came from Adam and Eve. Even after the death of his covenant son, Abel, God still fulfilled his covenant 
through that third son, uh, Seth. So to me, a covenant is a promise that cannot be broken. Okay. Okay. And Adam is the is the one connected to this covenant that you're speaking of? Absolutely. Adam okay. was Adam is that covenant man. Okay. Okay. Well that sounds that sounds um that sounds very let's see. I believe that is something that we can definitely research for ourselves in the in the Word of God, and it, it's it's on track with what you're saying, with what what we believe. I, I like that. I think the audience can appreciate that for and also provoke them to go do some research for themselves. So that that's a that's a great point that you raise. I'm very interested in researching that further for myself. And you mentioned you mentioned in your book also about Adam having a mate and have taking a partner. And um, so why who was Adam's partner and why did God give him a partner? Well, I believe Dr. Uh, Harrison, Adam's partner was Eve. She was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Uh, she was taken out of Adam and she was the sameness of Adam and the oneness, and and through that uh, developed into a complete relationship. They were in complete harmony with each other. Okay. Uh, Eve was his friend. Eve was his friend, not just his partner, but she was his friend. Uh, and that word, that that word, friend in Hebrew actually means covenant partner, mm. a partnership that was unable to be broken. Mm, very interesting. I I really like that because what I think we view we view in the world many of us view friendship as as a um, it's it's not it doesn't hold much merit but actually it definitely with what you just said shows us that there's some strength there to that to that relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. And so, um, did and Adam and Eve, you they had children, correct? They did. They had okay. Abel, yes, and the third son, Seth. Absolutely. Okay, and so you mentioned in your book that they had the children, but who was the one that actually was um, had the covenant? Well, I believe that Abel is the one that had the covenant. Uh, Abel had the covenant because Abel was uh, doing the things before God that was righteous. Uh, uh-huh. He gave uh, of the uh, uh, blood was shed because he brought an animal, a clean animal, before the Lord. And uh, I believe Abel was a type and shadow of Christ in that he was a shepherd. And, of course, uh, Christ being the good shepherd. And uh, uh, just like Christ, uh, Cain slew his brother, the righteous seed. And and just like Christ, Christ being the righteous seed, he died for us as well. So I do believe that. And then after that, God kept his promise or his covenant and he sent another son in the form of a set. And so that covenant went on. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, um, so Seth 
many of us do not know about we may have heard about Seth but we really don't realize that Seth was um, another son of Adam and Eve and that he actually did was Seth the one that brought that's bringing the righteous bloodline for where Jesus is coming um, out of that bloodline absolutely first it was Adam and Eve then it was Abel Abel was killed and then we skip over and Seth carries that bloodline all the way through and all the way through to Jesus. And, of course, that final blood through Christ brings us all into that covenant with him. Wow. So that's where the Gentiles are, are, um, are we get an opportunity to be pro- brought into the bloodline, join heirs with, with Jesus through Seth. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. That's where it all started. That's okay. part of the Genesis. Okay, okay. So, um, um, Sylvia, what would you like the audience to know about further about the book? That what what type of um, journey will they be going on when they when they purchase the book? The book. Well, this book speaks of many things, questions, unanswered questions, questions I've always uh, thought about and never seemed to get answers from. Uh, uh, questions such as uh, who was Melchizedek? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people believe actually that Melchizedek was um, uh, from the lineage of Seth, but I disagree. I believe that uh, that um, Melchizedek was actually an angel over the priesthood. And, oh. uh, yes, and of course it, it, that too is a type and shadow of Christ uh, because the, the, it speaks of him having no mother or father of no descent, without, uh, without ending, so he never died. And so, you know, these things point to angels. They never die. They, they don't call God father or mother. And uh, so I'm, I'm, um, I'm very much persuaded of that. But there are many things uh, in the brief uh, that questions, many questions that people have always wondered about, and I do believe that... Uh, this this uh, brief will take you on a journey that will allow people to think for themselves and go a little bit deeper into the Word of God to find out uh, answers for themselves. Okay, okay. Um, I know that um, when I read the book, I couldn't put the book down because I was learning. It, it, it opened my eyes to so many questions that I had further that I had to continue. And um, it is an easy read, and I, I really appreciate that. And so where can the audience purchase their copy? So because I'm thinking about um, possibly putting together a book club um, inter- on the radio for this. And so where can those that are want to be a part of the book club and dig deeper into their their journey or have their questions answered, where can they purchase their copy? Yes, Doctor, that would be great. So the book can be found at uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, Ingram.com, and all of these carry the brief. Uh, I also can be found at genesisbrief at gmail.com. Okay, and that's your contact information if they yes. if someone should wanna want to just chat with you about the book and say uh, have any questions you'll be willing to answer those questions for them? That's 
That's absolutely correct. Okay, so can you give your um, contact information one more time, please? Yes, that's genesisbrief at gmail.com. Genesisbrief at gmail.com. Okay, well, you know, thank you once again for this time. Time is just has flown by, and we really don't have enough time for us to really get into as deep as I would like it. <laughs> because yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, that's how we get together. We really want to just start talking, and we can talk forever. And that's right. one of the attributes of of um, of women. We talk, and so <laughs> and, you know, we love it, and so. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I love talking to with you so we can we can go on and on but I want to say once again thank you so much for for this lovely um time together and I'm excited about your book and I think you did an excellent job in bringing it forward and and um using your gift that God gave you to and as far as 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 well as it's a part of legacy. It relates to what we've been talking about today, um, legacy investment and forms. And this is the forms part, bringing individuals on that are doing something, using their talent, their gifts and abilities that God gave us and not sitting on those talented talents and letting them die, go, yes. go in the ground. We're supposed to utilize what we have. And you have definitely done that with this book and also being a playwright. Um, can you share about that a little bit since we have a little bit more time? Can you you tell us about um, the play you you writing plays how God is using you well I I uh, the Lord has given me two ideas for two plays and I I have uh, I have uh, written them uh, and they are in the hands of the person that I delivered them to I am not at liberty at this time to give the name of the person but okay. uh, prayerfully they will work as well uh, uh, so, you know, we're praying about that as well. And then there's yes. convention, and that too, I'm not at liberty to speak about yet. But uh, I also am an inventor. So God has many giftings in me, and it's just time for me to put them out there. And thanks be unto God, that's what He has allowed me to do at this time. Okay, well, listen, um, I look forward to speaking with you again about. The playwright and the invention. So we can, when you're definitely at liberty to speak to us about those things, then I want to bring you back on. How about that? I would love that opportunity, Dr. Harris. Thank you so much. So um, it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again very soon, okay? Thank you. It's been my pleasure as well. Thank you. Mm, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.